Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live an empathic and encouraging life. Today's guest, Sun Yin Shung, is kind of a big deal. She's a CEO coach and author. She's the executive director of the Fuqua Coach K Center on Leadership and Ethics, Cole, at Duke University. She's also one of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 protégés that he's sharing all his coaching knowledge with. Marshall Goldsmith is uh, widely acknowledged as the most senior and experienced executive coach in the world. And I met Sanyin through another one of the Goldsmith 100, my friend Peter Bregman, who had Sanyin on his podcast. And I listened to it and I was just captivated by her spirit, by her wisdom, and by the usefulness of the information she imparts on launching. So today's conversation is about Sanyin's book, The Launch Book, Motivational Stories to Launch Your Idea, Business, or Next Career. And I have two audiences in mind for this conversation. One was myself and people like me who are involved in, you know, business startups, big projects, things where we need to get customers on board. We need to take leaps of faith, take some risks, face failure and rejection, and keep our own heads and our own spirits and hopefully succeed and bring something of value into the world. The second audience was people like me as well, who are trying to birth new personal habits, trying to embody new potentialities, just trying to make it through life and become a better, more authentic version of myself as I go along. So it doesn't have to be a big startup or a giant project or a new art gallery. It could simply be one of us launching the next version of ourselves. Sanyin and I conducted this conversation in person in her office, and there's quite a bit of hubbub and noise going on around us in the background. So uh, please don't let that get in the way of enjoying this conversation. Before we begin, one quick announcement. Uh, coach training starts quite soon. Actually, we're having our first call, a getting to know you call this evening, but we're vamping for a couple of weeks just because I misjudged how long it would take to go through everyone's applications and to schedule the enrollment interviews. So if you still would like to do it, there's still a week or so to go. Just um, head to wellstartcoach.com, read about it, 
And if you're interested, click the enrollment interview button at the very bottom, and then we will schedule that enrollment interview and see on both sides if it's a good fit. So I look forward to you listening to this interview and letting me know what you think. It's a little bit off the beaten track for the Plant Yourself podcast, but I think it's got some real gems for me and for everyone. So without further ado, Sun Yin Sheng, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thanks so much. It's uh, an honor to be here, Howard. Yeah, I feel like we've, we've been chatting for a while already. I feel like I want to catch everybody up on, uh, <laughs> on all the things we talked about. But we're here because um, you have a book called The Launch Book. Mm -hmm. And I heard about it through our mutual friend, Peter Bregman. Oh, Peter is awesome. Yep, who had you on his podcast. And what I love about Peter's podcast most is that his conversations are short. And so there's always there's always something more for me to ask. <laughs> I feel like if he had an hour that you know that I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to to follow up because oh. he's he's so insightful and the conversations are so great but he cuts it short so there's always he always leaves people wanting more mm -hmm. and so I'm often sort of trawling after him <laughs> <laughs> picking picking on his uh, his most fascinating guests. Well, and, and so. your podcasts have been so wildly successful uh, before this uh, we hit the record button. You're just sharing with me that you get recognized um, just walking mm. along the trail because people recognize your voice. So congratulations on mm. the traction that your podcast has garnered because that's that says something about the value and the insights that you're mm. bringing to the rest of the world, Howard. Well, thank you. Yeah, I love I love the 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 medium. I love I mean just the technology that's available now to be able to broadcast without needing to be discovered, to be you know part of a network, mm -hmm. just the way you know we can publish ourselves on these uh, you know YouTube and all these platforms. I just feel like I was born at a really impactful time. Well, and I think you know for me, why I wrote the book because I feel we are also at the time when we're more empowered to be able to launch different ideas. Um, we don't have to wait for. 20 years ago uh, to get on on an audio amplification of ideas one has to be have an own radio show but everyone mm -hmm. is now empowered to be able to launch and amplify their messages through their own podcasts yeah I, I, I love that thought because it's um, yeah, I mean I think it's always been true that there was always a first step that someone could take on the road to their dreams mm -hmm. but they were usually hidden and we weren't taught that there that most of us could take that step, could go on that journey. Like I don't. When I was growing up, I didn't know any entrepreneurs. I didn't know any business owners. Mm. I knew like you know teachers and people who worked for companies. And my father was a labor leader, and I knew clergy and people like that. Like I had no role models for like this. Like launching is a path that's for you. Yes. You know, and so yes. to, to have all these steps laid out, mm -hmm. um, to have sort of entrepreneurship as part of the vernacular of our culture, and to have people like you sharing. I mean, one of the things I love about the book is that it's so small. <laughs> and, I, and I mean that in a, in a just in a, a beautiful way. It's actually, you know, it could fit in my very large back pocket. <laughs> and the chapters are small. And the steps that you're asking people to take or inviting people to take are pretty small. Well, that was intentional, and so the book is sh uh, is the size of a moleskin notebook, right? And there's even a little rubber band that ties around it, like a notebook, and it's meant to be scribbled in and digested. 
uh, within the span of an airplane ride. And the intention behind that is we have to think about our readers. The reader is a hero of every single book. And so for, and to enable, to empower that reader to be the hero, um, let's make the book as easy for them to digest as possible. And so we all have a lack of time today. So why don't we make the book concise and readable in the span of one and a half hours? And I always feel like a huge sense of accomplishment after I read an article or a book. So let's give the reader that. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, I, I need to take a note for myself. Uh, <laughs> I think my, my typical blog post would take people an hour and a half to get through. So. Well, and there's, and there's value in that as well. You know, um, so. Right. so there, there's two audiences I have in mind for, for our conversation. Um, so one, the first thing I thought of is I love taking ideas from the business world and then helping people apply them in other domains. Mm -hmm. So, if, you know, especially around personal growth, personal development, people who want to change their health destinies, who want to, you know, like I love thinking about instead of, okay, I'm going to eat better now, I'm going to start exercising, to think of it in terms of I'm going to launch mm -hmm. myself into this new identity, uh, which has a lot more power to it than I'm just going to bolt on some habit because my doctor says I could or I should or because I can't fit into my genes. That's right. Um, and the other audience, as, as, as I've been reading through the book and thinking about it, is people in, our, in my movement around health and nutrition and wellness who want to go pro. Yes. And don't quite know how to do it and, and maybe think, well, who am I to do that? Um, and so th I think we could, you know, maybe jump back and forth and, and kind of give some some guidance and nuggets to both of those sure. audiences. So with the first audience, uh, when you start talking about identity and launch connected to identity, I I love that because I think the stories we tell ourselves about who we are actually influence our actions and our behaviors and our habits, right? And so if we tell ourselves that. Uh, we are no good at math, mm -hmm. we naturally would shy away from math and it's a downward spiral. But if we say, you know what, I can launch towards being better at numbers and I can grow, which is the growth mindset type mm -hmm. of mentality and have that as part of my identity, then certainly that will influence my behavior. And with that, I think the first aspect of any launch is to really think about knowing who you are and the story that you're going mm -hmm. to tell yourself. Okay, so one of the, th the things I wrote down that was really impactful from the book is you talk about origin stories. <laughs> yes. And the, or th and the way I thought of origin stories was the thing that made me who I am, right? Like mm -hmm. Peter Parker gets bitten by a radioactive spider. <laughs> and before that, he was just Peter Parker, uh -huh. right? But you point out, and I think this is so beautiful, that the origin story reveals who you are. Yes. Right, so you don't see the spider bite as Peter Parker's origin story, as no. Spider-Man. No, um, and I'm so glad you brought up that up because I think it's not about the action, it's about the reveal, right? That helps people in that story. The reason we tell an origin story is to help connect others to who we are, help share what our identities are and our inner motivations and what drives us, our hopes and our dreams and our fears. And so the Peter in the Peter Parker super um, Spider-Man case, yes, getting bit by a spider was when he became Spider-Man, 
But I think the origin story is around when his uncle um, got shot by a villain whom Peter decided not to stop because mm -hmm. he said, that's not my responsibility. And as a result, his uncle Ben died um, and got shot by that villain later on. I think that was what transformed his life. And you see throughout the entire Spider-Man lore, this tension between understanding uh, responsibility, with great power comes great responsibility, and the desire to protect those whom he loves. Mm. Right. And, and it's interesting in that particular story, because I think a lot of people can resonate with this, that it didn't show him a good pe part of himself. It mm -hmm. wasn't like my origin story shows my mission, it shows my future. Like we all want to like rub the crystal ball <laughs> and understand like, okay, this like, you know, like help, like, I know so many people like, I don't know my destiny, I don't know my purpose. Mm -hmm. And we want it to be revealed to us. And mm -hmm. instead what gets revealed to us in our origin story is a wound. Oh, it can be. It right. can be. Or right? a weakness. Or, or a gap. Or vulnerability as a good mm -hmm. word. And I think vulnerability is actually a very good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because vulnerability is connected to courage. Um, so in, for example, in my, a few years ago I was thinking about a, a entire movement for girls that's hooked around why do we, why do girls have to decide between being a princess or, and being a a thinker, a problem solver. And the, how that origin story came about was one day I was sitting with my young daughters and w one of them came to me and said, hey mom, can you help me you know, take this thing down from the shelf? And I said, well, you go figure it out yourself because you, you need to build up that self-sufficiency. And she came back and she said, I can't. I said, why not? She said, I don't have a prince with a sword. And I thought, oh, that's a problem. So why don't we look on Amazon? And this was a few years ago, and so it's more populated now. But back then, it wasn't. So why don't we look for books about princesses who solve problems? And mm -hmm. we couldn't find, we, we hardly could find any. And so we said, ah, let's go ahead and create the Thinking Cat Princess series about princesses who solve problems. And we started doing that. You know? And so now sharing that origin story connects you to here's the why, here's the purpose, and here's the vulnerability that we were facing at that point. The problem that we were trying to solve, the problem, the challenge that we face, and this is how we, this is our solution to it. You know? And this is our approach to overcoming it. And so, yeah, I, I hadn't thought before about opening up a wound but I think uh, highlighting that every business, every, um, every launch starts with a change that necessitates a, that creates a opportunity or a problem, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and actually opportunities and problems are flip sides of the same coin, one can argue. Yeah, and I'm, I'm playing in my mind with this idea, you know, sort of Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey mm -hmm. or, you know, the, the more uh, feminist equivalent, The Virgin's Promise, this idea where there, there's this activating incident that challenges you to become bigger yes. in the world. Like, I can imagine a lot of, you know, harried moms who would feel the, 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 
the pain of that. Yes. Like, oh, my daughter, is, my daughter is speaking in a disempowered way, and here I am, this professional leadership development coach, business leader, and in my own home, I've got this problem, but I'm too busy. Uh. I, could, I, could, you know, I could feel that just sort of being sort of a lingering pain in your life. Yes. And inst instead, you, you chose to launch. To launch. <laughs> chose to launch. Uh, because it, w it was... It was dri it was a driver, right? The the why was a worthwhile pursuit. Now, all of us, we probably on a in a given day might have ten different launch ideas, mm -hmm. and we're deciding not every idea should be launched, right? But the ones that enable us to pursue our best selves, um, that's connected to our purpose and our why. Those those are when there's alignment between that purpose and us, those are the ideas um, that I think makes launch easier, mm -hmm. makes launch, launching easier. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of entrepreneurial stuff I've read takes this idea, like you discover the problem, yes. right? Or here's the opportunity. Yes. Um, but it doesn't include, like the, the part of your story that I love is, so you're thinking about your daughter but you're also, like you could have just told her stories, right? <laughs> you're also thinking about all the other moms and girls and brothers and fathers and dads who, who are going to suffer in a world in which girls grow up thinking that they need a prince with a sword. Mm -hmm. And so your launch wasn't just about, oh, here's a market need, um, right? No. It yeah. was, here's a human need. Yes. And I think that's missing from, like, from a lot of sort of entrepreneurship education. Is, is like, okay, well, here's, you know, here's a need. Let's make a business plan. I think we can capitalize it. I think I can see a, a return on investment that can work as opposed to, like, I'm not sure how many people can carry that all the way through without the emotional fuel that you spoke of. I think that emotional fuel is what grants us a sense of belief. And launching things, even after getting to launch is hard, after launch, you're going to go through ups and downs, and unless you have that belief, um, you're not. It's not going to sustain you through those ups and downs, right? And I think that emotional belief is so critical. Um, I recently spoke with Dave, Dave Brown, who is the co-founder of TechStars, and I asked him for his launch advice, and he said, basically paraphrasing, you have to be your own first customer. Right, you mm -hmm. have to be your own first customer, and then you you think about that is something you can connect with other people. Now, the, putting it into a story, I think, is important because stories are information put into a context that is emotionally resonant, and so this idea of origin stories, I think, mm -hmm. is an important part of any launch. Uh, and and here's the thing: is most of the time. We're convincing people. We're trying to. What we're trying to persuade people, whether you are, you have a business and you are looking to acquire more customers, looking to acquire investor, or you are um, a young student looking to get a job in a new industry. What we are trying to persuade people of is to believe in our destiny stories, mm. right? And if they believe. And the key to having a great destiny, to getting getting there, that belief in our destiny story, I think is having that great origin story. 
Mm. Well, I guess, I mean, I love that, because in terms of film writing, <laughs> the, you're right, there's a way in which, I mean, the, you know, the people who write about how to do f uh, film scripts, like, you know, Robert McKee or, or um, you know, ver various other people who write about that, they talk about the ending has to be totally surprising, but totally justified. Yes. By the beginning, like yes. at the end, you go, "Oh, it couldn't have happened any other way," even though I couldn't have seen it. Mm -hmm. So that the the, the 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 setup is what creates the payoff. And it's the it's also the character aspect, right? The 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 nuances of that particular character mm -hmm. and that ending that we are rooting for for them. And I'm talking about happy movies, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the ending that we hope for for them. Think about all the films when we we are rooting for Han Solo, we're rooting for um, Luke Skywalker, it's because there's something compelling about their origin stories. You know? And we see ourselves with a story. We can relate so much better. We can see ourselves in, in them. It's stories that are what connects us. It's part of our humanity. We've been telling stories ever since the dawn of mankind. <laughs> so a lot of people come to me and they want to change their habits and their stories are really disempowering, mm -hmm. right? Their story is I've tried 20 times before. Mm. So of course they're hopeful, right? right? But the first time, you know, they'll okay, I'm going to do all this, I'm going to do this, this, and this. The first time they, they give in and have a Krispy Kreme donut mm -hmm. or a pepperoni pizza slice, the story you know, reemerges in their head and says, well, see, this is just like all the other times. And I think that's part of what's at play there is behavioral science, uh, the confirmation bias. If we have an existing mm -hmm. belief or existing story that we're holding on to, unless we are aware, mm -hmm. um, we're the next time we see something, we're going to most likely notice something that confirms that belief, um, even if that something happens once one out of a hundred times, then notice the 99 times where it disconfirms our belief, right? So mm -hmm. imagine that person, oh, we don't have to imagine, I'll raise my hand on this one, <laughs> Howard, um, going to, I'll share my personal story. So I have not had the habit of working out. And all the other times where I've started, I haven't really kept up with it, mm -hmm. right? And, and so even if I kept up with it for 10 times, the one time I missed, I'm going to hold on to that one time. And it starts down the slippery slope, as you said. This time, I'm doing something different. So I, one, is the why I'm doing it. So before 10, 15 years ago, it was because everyone else is doing it and they say you have to work out. And two, it's for your health and staying fit and looking great, um, somehow those weren't compelling enough reasons for me to keep going. Mm -hmm. Today, the reason I started is I think about my children and I want to be a good role model for them because I see the importance of fitness in their lives. Mm. And they won't, be f they won't want to engage in it uh, or they're less likely to engage in it unless they see other role models who engage in it. Mm -hmm. It's like um, that mom who tells their kid, why don't you read more? And then the kid never see the the kid only sees the mom on on the phone all the time, right? So I think it's about being a good role model for my children. And so I said, all right, I'm going to, and it's being fit and being around for them. Mm -hmm. So then I thought, I know if I do it alone, <laughs> it's not. I, 
I would have less likely of a chance of succeeding. So I said, what if I got a personal trainer? You know, now for those who are listening in, it doesn't have to be a personal trainer. It can be a friend who does it with you, but it's an accountability partner. And for me, I just needed to also understand the right moves and form, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why I went the personal trainer route. And I said, instead of the old ambitious me where I've said, I would go to the gym five days a week. And of course I would miss one day and boom, that's the end of that. The new me say, all right, let me just start with two days a week and see how that, for 30 minutes. Now, those of you who are workout fanatics will find that laughable, <laughs> like working out two days a week, 30 minutes you know, each time, that, that, that's hardly anything. Um, but I think that's two times a week, one hour more than I would have done weeks ago, right? And so starting with that, and that has been manageable and enabling me to keep to it. Mm. And then perhaps I can add more to it because then I'm, let's succeed, let success build on success. And we have to find the wins. Yeah. So let me reflect back what I've heard in terms of what we're talking about, about a new story mm. or a, an empowering story. Mm -hmm. So the, the, what the elements of the new story I'm hearing are, so I have a, you have a different why. Yes. Right. You have a, uh, a more an, compelling an, an altruistic why. why, right? We all will all do more for other people than we'll do for ourselves. Oh, that's insightful. Yes, I believe mm -hmm. that. <laughs> right. You also have... Um, I th I'm imagining you're sharing this part with your kids as well that these new s these strategies that you don't want your kids to be perfectionists to mm -hmm. the point where they can, you know get paralyzed if they don't think they can get an A plus. Yes. Right. So that so you're also you're not only you're not only trying to be a role model in terms of the thing, but also in terms of how you approach the thing. Yes. Um, and I hear you you have you have this identity that's you know, very well credentialed as a behavioral. <laughs> economist and you're like well I know about you know <laughs> commitment uh, you know and confirmation bias and like I'm, I've got this bag of tricks that I've learned yes. that I can uh, that I'm going to apply um, I'm, I'm guessing like you discussed with your kids like like um, social science things <laughs> right um, they're not at the age where we could talk at length but mm -hmm. I try to I try you know what I try to apply it in practice mm -hmm. um, and for example, when they're, I'm teaching them piano, and at this age, they're eight and seven and five, learning mm -hmm. piano is, what you're learning is really how to practice, mm -hmm. right? So it's not looking at the entire piece and being overwhelmed by it, but let's say, all right, let's take the first two measures, okay, and then we just add another measure, and it's without judgment, right? It's without mm -hmm. judgment, and it's, it's saying, Tomorrow, the next one will be a little bit better than right now. It doesn't have to be 90% better. It doesn't even have to be 10% better. It can be just a little bit better, but that's, mm -hmm. say, 1%. Mm -hmm. But 1% is better than where we are now. Right. And, I, and so I'm just imagining the disconnect in your kids to see you telling them that about practice and then doing the gym <laughs> in terms of five days a week. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, like they'll, they'll <laughs> sniff out that kind <laughs> of hypocrisy. Like, oh, that doesn't work in the real world. Oh, it's, uh, I, I think 
I think when we share why we're doing something, as I am with you and your listeners, this is actually creating even greater accountability for myself personally, right? So mm -hmm. I think this idea of sharing our goals with other people, um, one, just by saying it, there's more commitment. Well, there's more mm -hmm. commit. There's a greater sense of commitment, and research has shown that right. when we do something, when we write something in our own handwriting, we see it. Like I am. Um, I am successful at going to the gym twice a week, and I hope to do some more. I write that down, I say it out loud, and guess what? That's now being imprinted mm -hmm. in, in my mind, and that actually, that's there. That's part of the narrative now. Um, so this idea of sharing it with others, that we don't do things alone, but we share with others, I think is important too. Yeah, and I, I love how you have a real balance. It feels like a very sanguine and respectful balance between internal and external. Between like, okay, I need to, we, we need, you talk in your book about vulnerability, about bravery, which is sort of like acting in spite of or in mm. the face of. And you're also talking about, let's make the environment as conducive as possible. Oh, yes, because Research has shown, and this comes from our mutual friend, Dan Ariale. So I learned this from Dan. Um, so Dan has said, if you want to go on a diet, and the trick isn't having chocolate chip cookies around you and resisting them, <laughs> the trick is not having chocolate chip cookies around you, right? So the environment influences the choices that we make. I think about as a parent, and both of us are parent, Howard, we talked about, uh, about mm -hmm. this, well, when we think about it, as parents, we really don't have control over how our kids think, how the choices they make, um, and their behaviors. What we do have control over is the environment the that we put them in, including ourselves and what we're role modeling, right. to help hopefully influence them towards making the type of choices we hope they would make. And so, you know, I think about, all right, I can tell my kids till I'm blue in the face, we have to eat vegetables and fruits. And they come in and there's potato chips <laughs> around. <laughs> That's not gonna work. But when I start putting more, you know, they open the refrigerator and there's carrots and there's fruits, that's gonna help them make those type of choices. And I think it's the same thing when we think about organizational leadership is how leaders have to be cognizant over the environment that they're creating, which includes culture, which includes them being exemplars of what values they try to espouse um, to influence in a positive way the behaviors and the choices that our team members make. Mm. Yeah, just on that topic, like I, I was talking about this with a group of, uh, of coach trainees this week about the dangers of getting to a position of leadership or influence or status and then losing the ability to see yourself mm. right there's, there's all sorts of you know, very frightening research about when people grow in stature and wealth they become less empathetic right like like brain chemistry changes like mm. when you're more powerful and so for a coach it's easy to sort of overstep and and sort of lose losing your curiosity start mm. thinking you know it all Oh, you hit on one of my favorite words, and I think a, a, a good habit for all, for everyone, you know, in especially in their growth, is a 
have a habit of being curious. Have it, you know, because I think when we're curious, we start seeing things more and having a sense of wonder for the world. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's important. And when we're curious, we invite others in to share their perspectives. And that's how we can continue to have a pulse on a better perspective on things, right? Because we can, because I think unless you're intentional about it, it's very easy the higher up you rise in the ranks because of the demands on, t of your, on your time and attention to become more siloed in terms of engagement because mm. you're just then looking, it's not for lack of intent, well, it, it's not for lack of, it's not because they don't want to um, engage, it's just because the demands on your time. And then you're aware and intentional saying, I can't, I, I need to invite and continue to invite those outside perspectives. It's gonna be, it's going to be really hard and you will wake up one day feeling you're very siloed and you're lost in your own head and you've lost a sense of how one is perceived. Mm. So I have, I have a list of things that I wanted to, uh, to ask you about from, from, from the book. Um, one of my favorites is you talk about uh, you know, FOMO, fear of missing <laughs> out, and, yes. the, and the paradox of choice yes. and having too many choices. And I know a lot of people that I work with, once they sort of commit, they become overwhelmed. <coughs> it's almost like the, uh, the, the image we get is like they're spinning plates now. Mm. So now, you know, you are uh, in, you know, running a center at Duke you are a mom of three, and now you're going to add this other thing, <laughs> and it's overwhelming. Yes. And um, the heuristic that you recommend, I thought it was just is so charming and beautiful. You said, like, is this me? Yes. Can you talk about that? Yes, and it goes back to, so the launch book takes, you know, so first of all, let me share a little bit about why I wrote the launch book. One, I wrote it for me. <laughs> because every time that I'm going to launch something, because launches are change, and change is uncomfortable, I'm going to be gripped by anxiety over fear of failure. Um, sometimes there's also a fear of success, you know, that I think others would have. And so to manage that fear, I thought that at least we can have a process. And then the second reason is I recognize other people have this problem too. So I wrote the launch book for my students, for friends, for mm -hmm. my kids and the broader readership out there. And so the launching the launch book, um, the irony is that in launching the launch book, it was my first book, I was mm -hmm. experiencing everything that I was writing about. Yeah. And so there was a period when I procrastinated quite a bit because mm -hmm. I, I just need to find a compelling why, you know? And for, it originally started off, I was thinking, oh, this would be a list book, a list of how do you launch, a list of tactics. Mm -hmm. And because that's not me, lists aren't really, writing in lists aren't really me. And I wasn't aware of that enough that's why I wasn't moving forward on that idea. Mm -hmm. So you, ha you, had, you had some sort of imaginary avatar of the person who was going to read this and what they, what they wanted. Yeah. And what they wanted wasn't what you were meant to provide. Well, I was, I was thinking, actually, it wasn't an imaginary avatar of a person and what they wanted. I was just thinking about what 
the book would be like. Mm-hmm. Well, and I w- actually my mistake was I wasn't thinking about the reader, mm-hmm. and I wasn't connecting with is this me, because I'm about stories. Yeah. And it wasn't until I connected with um, a prospective reader. I asked one of my students, "What would make you when today?" There's so many demands on our time and attention. What would make you want to pick up a book? And Isabel's answer was stories. And the mm-hmm. light bulb went off. And I said, stories? I love stories. Uh-huh. I love telling stories. And yes, I, I've got stories. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then that's when it really, it, the writing really started. Because that was me. Mm-hmm. And so the first part of the book the first process is asking, is this me? And the second part of the process is, you don't launch alone, engage others. So build a launch tribe. Um, that includes mentors, co-creating with your customers. Um, in my case, prospective readers. Um, engaging naysayers and truth tellers. Um, the third aspect is, can you imagine? the Imagine what's possible, right? And then the last step, which has generosity wrought into it, it's this notion of we have to keep moving. It's next play. Mm. So, so is it me? Um, I think is. I th- thank you for pointing that out because that is the crux of the book. Um, how do we overcome the what the perceived risks of a launch? Well, what is the mm. risk if we launch in pursuit of becoming our best self? Right. What is the risk when we are launching Pursuit Becoming Yourself? And so it has to start with, if that's a destiny story, mm-hmm. it has to start with, is it me? Right. Who's, who is the character? Who is the character? <coughs> and, you know, I've always, I've always thought of confirmation bias as sort of a negative thing, but in, this, in listening to your story, like, there's some really positive confirmation bias. Like, not everyone would have wanted stories, mm-hmm. but you attracted a student who wants the, what you have, and you, partic- you asked a particular student... Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, someone else, someone who's much more analytical could have asked their student and they'd say, well, I would want a seven-part, seven-step process. That's right. Right. But you, uh, you asked, you ended up intuitively asking the person who was going to give you the answer <laughs> that <laughs> I was right for you. I hadn't thought about it that way. I was just, um, I was thinking, Isabel is such a great, is she's such a reader, you uh-huh. know, and so what would make her want to pick up a book? And... And not directing the answer, mm-hmm. but I, sus- I suspect there's a reason why she and I um, had connected, have this wonderful relationship, is because we mm-hmm. do have that similar thinking, isn't it? Um, thank you for pointing that out, mm-hmm. Howard. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. And what I love about is this me is you know say it's a heuristic, which means it makes it makes a thousand decisions easier. Yes. Especially for someone. So so like you're getting ready to go to the gym. And today's not really a great day. And yeah, you don't want to cancel on your trainer, but mm-hmm. you could. And there's plenty of other things, and dinner's not quite ready, and there's piano lessons and something. And how, you know, how do you ask that question of yourself, is this me, in a way that, that helps you move forward? Oh. You mean going to taking the choice to go to the gym? Yeah, if you're if you're it's if it's ten of you know ten minutes before you have to leave, yeah, and you're like you know you have competing demands, yeah. So how do, how does that heuristic? I'm trying to think of like right. how the heuristic can help someone in in the in the heat of the moment, right? So I I think for that is creating a situation. I would answer it a little bit differently. Um, decided to launch the into going to the gym 
mm-hmm. as a commitment because of the compelling why now, right? The why of my identity is as a mom. Uh-huh. So when it's framed as, um, is this going to help be a, me be a better role model for my children? Is this going to help my me be around for my children? It's, it's with my children in focus. Um, it made it easy. Yes, it is me. Going to the gym now is me, right? So there's a larger commitment now that in between times, we know there's going to be competing demands at certain times. So, but once we know that we're launching, I create sort of a sacred, you know, that becomes sacred. Um, that schedule, that time becomes sacred, and, and I work around that, mm-hmm. right? So, dinner, so in case of dinner, uh, we might order out that night mm-hmm. uh, if I didn't get to home enough to, or I might, um, my husband might cook <laughs> instead. Mm-hmm. So, so I think mm-hmm. this is it me is more about the larger commitment. And once you commit, the little parts that is now, that goes into structure. Mm. Yeah, I guess is, is this me can also refer to, well, I've got to go shopping today so that I can have this done. Yeah. Like you kind of, it's kind of like this, you know, the, the, the magnet under the iron filings. Yeah. If, this is, if this is the pattern that I aspire to, yes. then lots of little things, like it's not just that one moment. Mm-hmm. If I've set up my life so that I keep not being able to go to the gym, right. then it's not me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or then it's exploring how can I, but I, I desire to go to the gym, how can I reframe that purpose? How do I reframe that story? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, looking at my notes, <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the apology email <laughs> because that's that was one of my f- my favorite tactics because yeah. it just it just hurts so much to think about it. Can you describe yeah. the, the the purpose of that? Yes. So there's this principle called loss aversion, and in loss ver- aversion, it goes something like this that we would be willing to exert energy towards avoiding a loss than we would towards having a gain, right? So um, if I, so if we know that that's part of human behavior, then how do we use that to motivate us to move forward? And so one tactic is Okay, I don't want, you know, I'm too tired to go to the gym. <laughs> Let's use that as an example. I'm, I'm too tired to go to the gym today. I'm not sure whether, and even though there's the gain there, that gain is not going to be, human nature is not as attractive mm-hmm. no, to us. But if in the moment I can lean on loss aversion and say, okay, if I don't go to the gym, I have to write an apology email to someone that I've been, you know, meaning, but I, I need to apologize to, or whatever it is that's more like a loss, then that's actually going to motivate me to go to the gym. Oh, okay. <laughs> Avoiding I th- I th- that. Oh, okay. Because I was, I was reading it as like, I have to apologize to someone for the consequences of my decision. Oh, that w- that actually works. We can, okay, so instead of apologize, yeah. like writing. I was thinking like you'd, you'd write to your daughter and say, <gasps> I'm oh. sorry that. Howard, I, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah so this is a. Okay, so for listeners out there, <laughs> if you're reading the launch book, you're looking to read the launch book, in that one section on loss aversion and apology email, insert Howard's <laughs> idea. I, I make, it it a, make an apology to um, the person whom you're accountable for in that. That's, a, that's 
That's terrific. It, I was just thinking about any type of apology letter, right? Mm. But you're saying, oh, that's even better. It's now an accountability and a very specific uh, an apology letter to a specific someone. Yeah, or even to your future self. Oh, that's great. Mm. I need to incorporate that. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Howard. <laughs> See, that's the one thing about writing books or creating pieces or an art piece or anything is there's a nature of generative right that it's there's a generative nature about it that I'm constantly getting great ideas back from readers you know and and uh, or they might have taken a different takeaway than I had anticipated and that actually leads me to think about new things so thank you Howard <laughs> yeah I, I live in fear as a writer of stealing an idea by accident because <laughs> Like, you know, I come across so many ideas, and after a while, I start thinking it's mine. <laughs> like, oh, I came, I think I came up with that one. And I, I'm, you know, it's like we're, we're all in such an environment of, uh, of sharing and yes. creativity. And yes. it's, al it's almost like the idea of, of intellectual property makes no sense. Well, in some cases it does, but I think when it comes to art and when it comes to Authors like us, or uh, uh, authors like us, are thinking about how do we get the message out, mm. right? How do we get the message out? Because those messages can help others. So it's with that intent and with that outcome. And if other people are able to take that message and put their own spin on it, and it can help other people, okay, that's <laughs> that's wonderful. Right. You, know, you think about how generative. Shakespeare's Romeo we've probably seen a gazillion iterations of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet some of them mm. are completely beyond the imagination of what what um, Shakespeare himself would have intended however it there's this lasting effect right there's this enduring impact and let's face it whatever good idea is out there let's not be so arrogant as to think we're the only one with that idea. It's a world of very, very smart people. You look at the entire human population. I bet any good idea out there, there's 10 other people who have that same idea, but they're going to articulate and communicate that idea in a different way than we do because they've had a different set of experiences. Right. So, so, so let, let's, let's piggyback off of that for, and talk to people who, who want to go pro. <laughs> as you know, in the in the uh, health world, so yes. our listeners who have become you know, they've transformed their lives through the nutritional and movement and mindset guidelines that are in our community, right. and they're very grateful and they're passionate about this, and and they they would like to dip a toe in the water. And one of the things that I hear from people a lot, and it's partly because of my position, is like you know, oh well, you've got so much stuff, you've done these books, and you like. What do, what do I have to offer? Mm. And they feel like because they're comparing themselves to what's already out there, mm. that the, the, the w it's saturated. It's almost like, you know, oh, we know everything there is to know, that everything is good has already been written, all the good podcasts have been claimed. Um, how do you help? You know, and it's, it's so clearly untrue. To me, it's like the visual is like a circle that keeps expanding, and the, per the, the perimeter of the circle. It's it, you know the new things are there's always more new the bigger the circle gets the more newness there is. Oh. Um, like how do you help people? 
see their own unique contribution, even if it's not like Nobel Prize worthy, even if it's just their own take? I think they're every person through their experiences, through the lens, um, have, brings a different lens to the table because no two person in the world have exactly the same set of experiences, right? Mm. And do you, do you want to get that? It sounds important. Yeah, no, it's all right. I'm actually in the middle of a podcast, Sam. Can I call you back? Hi. And <laughs> um, and there's everyone has value because everyone has a different set of unique combination of talents and gifts and experiences and stories and so think about it as understanding what's a differentiator you have that you bring mm -hmm. to the table now one thing is it's really hard for us to discover what our own differentiators are mm -hmm. or I would say what our own superpowers are because the paradox is when you have a superpower, it's because that thing that you know how to do super well comes easily to you. Mm. So think about Sherlock Holmes and his deductive reasoning. He kept saying, but this is elementary. Why isn't anyone <laughs> getting it? He didn't realize, he probably didn't realize growing up it was a superpower. So we're terrible at understanding what our superpowers and our differentiators are. But we're really good at recognizing other people's. And so that's why we need to invite other perspectives to help us discover our own superpowers, or as Mr. Rogers would put it, Fred Rogers, um, the famous um, um, children's educationalist, he would say, you know, part of our responsibility in life is to help others discover their gifts and their talents, mm. right? And so this idea of um, recognizing your own differentiators, ask others. What is it that I bring to the table that you think will be different? And get some data around that. You may be surprised at what you hear and what you learn. So that one is go out and get data. Again, this is connecting with other people, right? Getting, getting their perspectives. The, and then the second thing is, so when I wrote this book, I start off with I wrote it for me, right? And so you think at the end of the day, what does success look like, right? On the podcast, is it getting a million downloads? On the book, is it selling a million copies? Um, I, think, I think those are not primary, um, but I think when you start thinking about if at the end of the day, if this hits this, then it's a success in my mind and start from there and success builds on success. So did the launch book help me in the writing of it become a better person, be able to have a process to overcome my fears next time I'm launching? Yes. Is it, has it helped five people <laughs> um, think about launching differently and help them be braver? Yes, and I've got data for that. <laughs> uh -huh. um, Okay, okay, and it's not, and so when you start, so I would guess the second thing is setting up metrics for success, right? Your metrics for success, and success builds on success, and make those meaningful wins. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you, um, how do you not lie to yourself? So here's, <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. 
Um, so I have this metric for success. You know, it's like, okay, I want to, I want, you know, 100,000 downloads per episode of my podcast. Now I'm somewhere between averaging, you know, two and 10,000. Right. Um, and then, like, it's not happening. So for whatever reason, and part of me says, well, you know, honestly, Howard, you're not doing the marketing you need to do. You're not spending the time after each session to write it up. You're not doing, like, things I know. Yes. And at the same time, I'm like, well, but if I, if I reach 10 people, it's a, like, it's a success. Like, how do I, like, I, on the one hand, it's true, like, it's all about sort of growth. Yes. person. So even if the thing is a total failure, but if I've grown from it mm -hmm. and I've gained courage and I've gained resilience and I've gained self-knowledge, so that's a success. And I hear a little voice in my head that just wants to totally let me off the hook. Right. And not go do the thing. So, so it's like this, this voice wants to encourage me to be lazy. Yes. And it's using your voice <laughs> <laughs> to trick me into like, you know, being compassionate with myself could also, it's, it's like the, the podcast equivalent of sitting on a couch and, and polishing off a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Well, one of the things is, that's a really great question. Um, so now you've launched. I guess the next thing is about growth. You have to wait for my next book. <laughs> no, that's a no. That's a um, that's a cop out answer. Oh, I think, I think because I think most of what I was thinking about is just getting to that launch stage. Mm. We have to, it, it, we have to overcome so much self doubt and fear usually, mm. right? So I was just trying to help myself get to mm. that launch stage and then get to. Um, others get to that mm -hmm. launch stage if they decide that the launch is worthwhile and they pursue it. Mm -hmm. But I think surely after that, um, say if you're a company, you do have to grow your revenue <laughs> in order to sustain, um, otherwise you won't have a company anymore, right? You ha do have to grow your customer base. But I think it's again, going to those little steps, right? So tell yourself, all right, did I learn from it? Is it you know that's five people? Can I I hit those metrics? Now it's time to have newer metrics, mm -hmm. right? So think about it as big. Break it down. I guess this is part of breaking it down into smaller chunks. It's like if I it's a equivalent of, of course, eventually I want to work out five days a week, right? For it to be part of an ingrained part of my habit, so that when I don't work out, I actually miss it. Mm -hmm. But if I tell myself I'm going to work out five days a week, <laughs> and that's a metric, and uh, I mm. don't think I don't think I would get started. Yeah. In a way, I'm, I'm I'm sort of answering my own question um, based on what you what you write about around sort of generosity and kindness, mm -hmm. which is I'm I'm cool not getting to a hundred thousand downloads, but I'm not cool not getting to 100,000 downloads when there was something I could have done about it, mm. right? So right. so kind of recognizing what's in my control. Yes. So I'm going I'm to get some free coaching from you right now, <laughs> if, I, if I might, under the guise of the podcast. Okay. So I've uh, co-founded a, a startup. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, and I'm actually quite scared that we're, you know, that we're, we've bitten off more than we can chew we're, we're trying to take on healthcare. We're trying to uh, go to companies and say, we have uh, a protocol and a technology and a medical management philosophy and platform that can get your employees to reverse some chronic diseases through behavior. Mm -hmm. And there's so many ways in which when I say that, 
I'm thinking like people aren't ready for it. There's too many problems. It's too hard to reach people. The, the decision makers aren't actually the people that we're talking to. I'm going to this on Sunday. I'm going to Austin for two days to meet with a whole bunch of an entire industry of people who are potentially our clients. And so I do have this. Like at the same time, I'm gung ho about it. I also have this. Almost feels like a, a lead anchor of mm. like I don't know that we can do this. What, and, and I'm being really honest, and this is you know going out to, to the podcast, and I'm supposed to, you know, I'm the sort of the marketing guy for the company, mm. and I'm like running projects. I'm supposed to be like painting the destiny picture for you know, we need we need investment too. Right. So I wrote down, uh, you know, believe in our destiny story. So I'm trying to get people to believe in our destiny story, right. and I'm sort of publicly saying, I don't know. Okay, so one of the things. A key component we haven't really talked about in in the process is co-creating with your customer, right?、Mm. And engaging others. I mean, we've alluded to it, but it's really this idea of engaging others. So, I know in in a startup, it's sometimes we we may lack clarity on what we should focus on because entrepreneurs, by nature, are incredibly optimistic and incredibly opportunistic, right? And there's so many different directions in which you can take it, and and being able to go forward on all those directions can actually be overwhelming. And so, I I think one is to get clarity, you have to get data, get information. All right, so you don't know who are the right people to talk to. Well, by talking to different people, you're building up a pattern for understanding, honing.、Mm. These are the characteristics. Of people, the type of people we need to be introduced to, and to be able to get their feedback. Okay, you don't have the answer. You don't have the answer. Don't be overwhelmed by that. You just don't have the answer now,、mm. but you have agency to go and get it tomorrow,、mm-hmm. right? So,、um, and getting that answer from your fellow cust- from people whom you're trying to serve. It's the same thing with when I was starting and writing the book. I was overwhelmed. I'm like, I have to come up with these many words by this deadline, and oh my gosh, I don't have a marketing plan together, and I still don't.、Um, it's been growing organically.<laughs>、um, marketing plan together. I don't have this, and there's only so much time in a day. We have, you know, and for you, it's like we have this number of people. They have only so much time in a day, and it's limited resources. It can be overwhelming. But just that idea of start co-creating, you know, asking my students and prospective readers,、mm. what would make this of value to you? That brought clarity into, okay, here's where focus, at least in the content, should be, right? And moving, you, we only we can only tackle one thing at a time, one thing at a time.、Mm. Right. And that's sort of the opposite of the startup world. Yes. Right. Like the constraints of the startup world is like I've got to wear five hats.、Um, there's always, you know, I'm, as I'm as I'm here, I'm、uh, I'm imagining all the texts that are going back and forth on the on my phone、mm. that I've turned off, the, all the emergencies.、Um, so it t- it takes. I'm here. I'm hearing that it ta- there's some some degree of of faith. There is some degree of faith, and remember, it's not just you. You also have a team. You also have a team, and by the way, if you're not feeling overwhelmed, 
um, you're at that point where you figured it out, but that's only going to last for a second, and you're going to feel overwhelmed again. Right? Yeah. That's the nature of if you're pushing forward, it, it's it, you're going to constantly work on figuring it out. Right? Mm. You'll have clarity, but that's only for a moment, and that sustains you to a little while, and then there's um, lack of clarity again, and you go through that same process. It's a it's a feedback loop, but you you're not alone. You you have a team. Mm-hmm. You have a team and it's working with each other to and maybe it's time you bring in an intern as an example um, to help distribute the volume of decisions uh-huh. and tasks that you have to make because maybe it might be at that point. Uh, so mm. make, make a note to ask you after the interview if you have any good interns. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is there is a network here and so happy to put you in touch. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, I'm thinking also, you know, back back to your gym story, sort of the the generative metaphor of this conversation is, I guess, there's a point at which you go and you can lift the weights that you've been trying to lift. Yes. And at that point, you don't go, okay, great, I found the weights that I'm that, that I can lift. Right. <laughs> then right. the next thing you do, your trainer uh, says, okay, I've got heavier weights for you. You know. Okay. So, yeah, right. it's um. So I think one of the things is success breeds success so you find your small wins and help you build a small win so okay say you have a hundred things on your to-do list today now you and I know realistically it's not possible to go through a hundred things on your to-do list unless you distribute those and delegate those out so say do the three things where are the top three things and get in the discipline of that prioritization right where are the top three things that you need to get done today. Right. And that's, that's doable. Yeah. Isn't it? And that's my go to the gym moment because yes. when I see a hundred things, what I want to do is the least important three things. Yeah, but you have to <laughs> identify where are the top three things that must be done today. And if they get done, then the next day it's mm. the next top three things. Right. All right. And if they don't, I gotta write some apology emails. Yes, you do. <laughs> I love team. that idea. <laughs> It's like I've eaten the plums that were in the refrigerator. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, Sanyin, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me to your beautiful office on this gorgeous campus. Um, It's so great to get out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for listeners, um, my office is on wall. I think almost every wall surface, and is uh, there's the greatest masterpieces in my world, and those are artwork by my children <laughs> and so it's very very colorful in here so thank you yeah. Howard for inviting me on on your wonderful show um, it's been an honor and a delight all right well thanks a lot <laughs> I hope you're grinning as wide as I am re-listening to that wonderful conversation with the generous and wise and grateful Sun Yin Shang if you enjoyed the episode and you'd like to support the mission of this podcast, the easiest, cheapest, quickest way to do it is to just go and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the heck they're calling it these days. If you need um, guidance on how to do that, just go to plantyourself.com forward slash review for a quick little video that will show you exactly how to do it. Again, if you're interested in becoming a coach, if you'd like to help other people adopt healthy lifestyle and habits, and you'd like to find a plant-based community in which to do that, and you don't want to pay a ton of money, check out wellstartcoach.com. You'll find there not only a description of the program, but since we've already done a 
pilot run, you can hear experiences of some of the folks who went through that, and that will help you decide if it'd be a good fit for you. If you're looking for the show notes for this episode, it's at plantyourself.com slash 295. You can find links to the Thinking Cat Princess series, to the launch book, to Sunyan's professional page at uh, Duke University at Fuqua School. Fuqua, got to say that correctly. Can't mess that word up. And if you're new to the Plant Yourself podcast, you can catch up on all the old episodes over at plantyourself.com. So in running news, I just got back from the world championships of old men throwing plastic discs, which is to say the Great Grandmasters Ultimate Disc Championships in uh, Sarasota, Florida. My team came in fourth out of, I think, 11 or 12 or 13. And I accomplished two very important things. I was able to walk off the field after the last game on my own power, which means I didn't get uh, injured. And I didn't make an absolute ass of myself either. I played pretty well most of the time, some mental lapses. But uh, generally, I would be happy for you to watch the tapes if there were any tapes. That finished up on Sunday. It's now Tuesday evening. My legs still feel really heavy. So I'm just taking this week as sort of a long, slow distance jogs and hopefully get back to some uh, speed training over next weekend. In garden news, we have a potential new bed because we laid the foundation for my new office. And we actually had two different spots where we were going to put it. And one of those spots turned out to be the one where the uh, foundation is. And the other is just a, a giant mess hole of mud that we're going to have to turn into a new garden bed. So that's all very exciting. Okay, thanks. Thanks, thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use Sabali Don the Dance of Peace as the theme music for this podcast. Check out willridenauer.com for more of his beautiful Chora music. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Got a new one, maybe one, maybe two this week. Hard to keep track. Anyway, here we go. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elizabeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Ramsey Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gila Lassert. David Donahue, Blair Seibert, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Linnerman, which rhymes with cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, D.N. Norton, Bonnie Lynch, of Plan Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzals. Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Shell Ruthless, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Langholm, Hedegaard, Iza Tuzan, Wakani Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Avivala L. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, L. Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton. Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, D. Ann Bishop, Billberry Elf, and Gunter Schmidt for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends.
All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, and Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner with Ann Thunderbrook, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva L, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, The Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Channel Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Krep, Tritanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Lehman. Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Carts, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunn Marie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedable Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>